This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu for more information. The stock market's June swoon has carried into July, with key indicators pointing to a bear market weighed down by rising oil prices and the credit crisis. Among the factors weighing on the market was more bad news from Detroit. The big three suffered substantial losses because American consumers decided, with gas costing more than $4 a gallon, they no longer wanted big SUVs and pickup trucks. Meanwhile, the U.S. presidential candidates continue to promise tax cuts and balanced budgets. We're here with Wharton Finance Professor Jeremy Siegel to discuss the worrisome signs. Welcome, Professor Siegel. The U.S. stock market's down about 20% from its high in October and 15% for the year. These are gut check times for those of us who invest for the long run. What's it going to take for the stock market to recover? The, mar- the market has been hit by a one-two punch. The first punch was the credit crunch uh, at, you know, that started at the end of last year because of the, the housing bubble that, that burst. Uh, the second punch, which I think is now a stronger punch, is the energy uh, prices uh, and the gasoline prices, the oil prices above 140. Um, and I often said I, I thought that the economy could handle either one, but both together is is really tough. Actually, I, I think some people say, why is it only down 20 percent? Because we, you know, we, we've seen bear markets down 50. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, there, there's a number of, of good things out there um, that are, I think, keeping uh, the decline in in the moderate territory. What do we need to get it moving back up again? Uh, and that is uh, lower energy prices. I think that that is the key. We get oil back down into the 100 region, gasoline stabilized back down to even 350, which I know is still high. But uh, I think that that will, will be an important part of uh, the recovery of the markets. Well, the auto industry would certainly appreciate that. Ford, GM, and Chrysler, the big three in the U.S., had a terrible June. They seem to have gotten themselves caught in the same trap they did in the 1970s and 80s. They were building the wrong cars for the wrong time. Can they recover from this again? Well, they're, they're, and they're paying the prices they should uh, <laughs> uh, for that. I mean, no one predicted that oil would go this high, but everyone knew that, 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 that it certainly wasn't, wasn't going to go lower. And, uh, you know, the, the hybrids and alternative fuels, they have to put all their resources there. Um, and, of course, the big problem is that they were weak even before they Right. Uh, this with the, with the pensions, which uh, is working out with the UAW, um, so they, they've got they've got that double whammy on them. Hopefully, to bring some leverage on their current situation to to resolve the health care and and some of their pension fund costs, which are really uh, and the competition doesn't have to carry those costs. Absolutely, and that's and that's that's a major a major factor. Shares in the two government-sponsored mortgage companies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, fell pretty dramatically yesterday, July 7th. It signaled a lack of confidence among investors. If the companies fall short of capital, they'd have a harder time buying and guaranteeing mortgages, and that would raise home buyers' costs and possibly drive home values down even more. What does that say about the prognosis for the housing crisis? Well, first of all, uh, the government's not going to let uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae fail. Um, I mean, and given the way the Fed and others have been extending credit, these are very essential uh, institutions. Um, 
Uh, and so my, my feeling is, is that a, a top priority for the government and the Fed is to make sure that conformable mortgages, you know, those that are under the limits and conform to that, uh, will still be flowing at a normal uh, rate. Jumbo mortgages have a, have a surcharge, and, uh, and they will continue to have a surcharge compared to where they were a couple of years ago. Um, but no matter what happens to, you know, the fears on Wall Street, I know there is a backup there to make sure that conformable mortgages will still uh, be. Because we, we all realize that, that if you cut off that conduit, you would really spiral the economy into a recession. And uh, there's far more public support to making sure those mortgages are available than, than giving money to the investment banks that uh, the Fed did uh, in March. The crisis has not only deflated the U.S. economy, but it's obviously had a serious impact on economies abroad. For example, it's helped put the brakes on China's two-year bull market. How do you see the crisis playing out globally over the next few months? Yeah, and I was, I was reading an interesting analysis that J.P. Morgan sort of said that Europe is probably about six months behind in its cycle uh, of slowdown to the U.S. and the emerging markets a year behind, uh, which is, is interesting. No one's going to be immune from the energy. Uh, crunch. It's affecting everyone. And of course, for some of the poor countries, the, the uh, food crunch is uh, equally important, not to the developed countries, um, but uh, to the developing countries. But I think everyone's going to be affected by the energy crunch. And I, I really think, again, if I were to say what's bedeviling the market right now worldwide, um, uh, I would say that, uh, that the energy question is more important now than the credit question. Will the G8 conference that's going on now in Japan come up with any meaningful proposals, or will it be long on rhetoric and short on substance? That, that seems to be the case all the time. There's a lot of rhetoric. Uh, you know, they talk about exchange rates. The truth of the matter is, we economists know it's really the central banks. Even though they say we're going to give it to the Treasury, it's the central banks that makes the important decisions on monetary policies really affect uh, the exchange rates between the countries. Um, you know, everyone knows that, uh, you know, uh, George Bush is a lame duck president. You know, I mean, starting initiative now when we know we're going to have a new president next January, it's going to be pretty hard to do. So, you know, rhetoric that we're all working together to solve the problems of pollution, global warming, energy crisis, and food, but not much on action. China and India aren't there. Is that a sin of omission? Uh, absolutely. I mean, when everyone talks about what are the sources of the energy uh, crisis, uh, and we always talk about the insatiable appetite from China and India, and now we leave them out of G8 uh, in terms of talking about, uh, you know, what, what they could have done. I mean, clearly, I, I think you have to expand it um, uh, to these uh, other two countries uh, to really get a, a, global, uh, a, a global look at, at all the factors affecting the world economy. San Francisco Federal Reserve President Janet Yellen said yesterday that the Fed can't just be hopeful that inflation will subside, but must be prepared to make hard choices as needed, according to a report in the New York Times. Is the Fed prepared to make those hard choices, and what should some of those choices be? Well, you know, for the last year, the Fed has been saying um, we expect inflation to moderate as the economy slows. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is we haven't seen 
inflation moderate, and it's beginning to be kind of thrown back in their face. Well, you keep on talking about it, it does not happen. Uh, uh, I had stated in an earlier podcast I didn't like them going down all the way to two from two and a quarter. It was more of a, a, a signal more than the importance of, of a quarter point. Um, but clearly, they're not going any lower. Um, my feeling is that if we can crack oil, and we've had now, this is the second day as I'm talking, uh, that we've had some big declines, um, that they won't need to raise uh, this year. If oil goes back down into the low 100 region, my feeling is, is they're going to stay at the 2% uh, through the remainder of the period. The dollar has been holding up fairly well. As the world, other economies soften a little bit, um, they don't feel that they'll have to raise enough. If oil continues upward and uh, we see those commodity prices continue upward, I think that they're going to have to join the ECB and perhaps others in saying we've got to stand against this commodity inflation. It is a painful choice, and she's right. Um, but if commodity prices uh, again start rising, they would do it. If commodity prices break, if we did see the peak a couple days ago, um, my feeling is they'll, they'll hold on the rate for the rest of the year. We talked about rhetoric at the G8, which brings to mind, of course, the U.S. presidential election. Both candidates, Republican Senator John McCain and Democratic Senator Barack Obama, are promising all manner of tax cuts and rebates, but they're not offering a lot of specifics about what they would cut from the budget to reduce spending. Still, they're both promising to balance the budget, McCain in four years and Obama in eight. Can you give us a reality check on the candidates' promises? And perhaps you could also remind us of the pros and cons of running a deficit. Well, first of all, let me say that a reality check is I don't think it's going to close in four years or eight years. <laughs> I think we'll probably be running a deficit for for decades. Now, that isn't bad as long as it stays in a certain proportion to GDP. We don't, we don't actually have to balance uh, the budget. I think there's a couple of things on the table that are important now. Do we need another a fiscal stimulus package. It has helped. Uh, GDP is going to come out in a few weeks. I expect second quarter to be up uh, between 2 and 3%. Remember, it was 1% the previous two quarters. Um, but what happens is if oil prices don't go down, the third and fourth quarter could be much weaker, particularly the fourth quarter, which we might want to think about another fiscal stimulus package then. That's one thing that, uh, I mean, this is under Bush's watch. Um, uh, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, we know that taxes are going to go up, tax rates are going to go up no matter whether McCain wins or Obama wins, uh, because we're going to have a democratically controlled Congress and the Bush tax cuts are going to expire. So that's going to be a reality. Um, but uh, one thing that's very important, and that is the most important thing we can do to close the deficit is not to start raising taxes, especially under a weak economy, but to stimulate economic growth. I mean, Clinton balanced the budget not really through new taxes, but by an incredible growth surge that we had through the 1990s, and that's when we balanced it. If we can get back on the growth path, get those energy prices down, put into place policies that get us back on the growth path, that will do more than tax policies in terms of uh, closing the deficit. Just something that we all have to keep in mind when we talk about uh, deficits uh, into the future. Thanks for joining us, Professor Siegel. Thanks for having me. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.